Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Presence of God, I believe that at the end of this message that God is actually going to set some people free and the Holy Spirit is going to be at work to bring freedom in people's lives. And so uh, this is the last uh, week of our series, Relationship Renovation. I hope that you've been blessed by this series. I hope that God has spoken to you about this. I hope that this has helped you to move forward in your relationships. Who knows that Relationships are such a big part of our life. When relationships goes bad, go bad, I think it's impossible to enjoy life, to move forward. And I know that in this uh, room, there are all kinds of different experiences with relationships, some healthy, some not so healthy. But you know what? God has power to enable us to move forward into health, no matter what our past No matter what has gone on, last week I talked about no matter what our family history is, that our future is bright. And so today I'm talking about how do we deal with the negative impacts of our relationships? And in two ways, one is what happens, how do I deal with when I negatively impact somebody, right? And then how do I deal when they negatively impact me, when they hurt me, when someone hurts me or when I hurt somebody else. I read this uh, uh, quote that was, uh, I thought was, was quite good about conflict um, from a guy in America. And he says, there are two types of people that don't experience conflict in life. The first people are dead. And the second people are people who aren't doing anything. So if you're alive and you actually want to move forward in life, you're going to have some kind of conflict And so what we want to do is open the Word of God and we want to see, look at the model of Jesus about how we can do conflict really well and how we can deal with the negative impacts of life. And the first thing that I want to start with is talking about what happens when we negatively impact others. Now, most of you would be shocked to think that you could actually negatively impact others. But we do. It's impossible not to have a negative impact on others. And I think there are two things which are really true, but I also think they are are difficult for us to understand. And the first is this, is that when we negatively impact others, the first is this, I don't get to decide the impact that I have on others. Do you know that's true? And do you know that's sometimes what we do? Sometimes if when we impact others, we say, oh, well, you were too sensitive or you deserved it or you pushed me. And that's just a reality of life is I, I, don't, I don't get to decide the impact. Now, I said it's difficult and, I, you know, we were just like, well, how do you like work it out? Just wait and see. But that's the second thing is, and this is, this is particularly hard for me, but I think it is something that is true and it's hard for 
everybody is that I'm responsible for my impact regardless of my intentions. It doesn't matter what I intended to do. I have to deal with the impact on others. And I bet we could all think of a time that we uh, had good intentions and it ended up being a disaster. Here's one way that I think about uh, it. Sometimes it's like passing out lead balloons. I don't know why I like that picture, but like you... The balloon doesn't fly, it just it flops, it just sinks. You know, you're trying to do something good, but it goes the opposite direction of where it is. And these are some things that are difficult. I remember the first time I had a car accident, um, our family had a Mitsubishi Sigma. They, I don't think they make them anymore. And so maybe some of the older generation, I'm showing my age. Um, so with a Mitsubishi Sigma, think very boxy. I also think when you're filling up fuel, you're also filling up oil, like almost every time. Incredibly burned a lot of oil. And so this Mitsubishi Sigma, I remember we had, uh, I was backing out of my driveway, and at that time I didn't have reversing sensors, I didn't have cameras, um, and so I backed up and I just backed straight into the neighbor's car, right? Right, so I had an impact on that car. So... What I couldn't do was write a note and say, I didn't intend to hit your car. And I feel like your car is too sensitive. (laughs) Um, I feel like your bodywork needs to be more robust. I couldn't say that, right? I, I couldn't say you deserved it for parking there. Maybe I wanted to say that. But do you know what I had to do? And I I think I was like 17. I was working at like McDonald's. I was like literally getting like $6 an hour, right? I'm sure that the pay rates haven't changed that much for McDonald's in this time. And I had to like pretty much empty all my savings. It was like $200, which was a lot for me. Like, Like $200, wow. And I had to give that to those people and say, I'm sorry, I had an impact and I need to pay for that impact. And that's life. That's the reality of life. Whether my intentions were good, whether I think they were parked in an awkward spot, it doesn't matter. I, there is a, a debt, a gap that needed to be paid and I was responsible for paying it. So we started off by talking about what happens when we negatively impact others But what about when someone negatively impacts you? Around about that time, uh, around about Christmas that year, I went to this um, special shopping event and I did all my, there was big sales and I did all my Christmas shopping. I went with some friends um, from our youth, young adults. And then afterwards we went to play um, pool. We went to play uh, snooker or it was snooker place, but we I'm not sophisticated enough to play snooker, but I was playing pool. Um, and then uh, where I grew up in Sydney, it was a pretty rough area. So we, we went in and when we came out, all our shopping was gone. Everything was stolen, right? So there was a debt that needed to be paid. And, and I was like, how can I get payback? Like, what do I do? I spent, as, as you know, I didn't have a lot of money. I spent my money all the Christmas shopping, right? 
And there are five things that we usually want to do to get payback when someone has negatively impacted us. Two, two categories. One is, one is active and another is passive. Okay, so the active things are physical, right? You're going to hit them. You, you're going to like make them pay physically. You're, you're going to maybe throw a punch or a kick, depending on your level of uh, ninja skills, your experience. Okay, the other thing that you could do is you could, you could viciously attack them. These are active things. You could viciously attack them with your words. And those things, they're both very satisfying in the moment. Like overflows of anger, if you didn't know this, they're very satisfying in the moment. They provide an instant relief. All right? But usually what happens is then they create another set of problems that you need to recover. Who's ever been there with anger and frustration? I know that I have, right? So you get this instant relief, whether it's verbal, whether it's physical, but then I've got a, two sets of problems that I've got to deal with, right? And so, But that's how I'm thinking or not thinking about payback, right? The other is that I can um, tarnish their reputation. This is a little subtle. Um, look, you can learn to do this really well and you can to learn to have fun about this because, and you might start uh, by, by saying, you know, something like this and I could, I might use a, a volunteer, Ethan, I could say, hey, Ethan, like I'm talking about Ethan, I say, oh, Ethan, Ethan's amazing. He is, he's like the best guy. You know, you, you would love everything about Ethan. Uh, there is one thing, but I probably shouldn't tell you. There's one thing about Ethan that, or I could tell you, but you're not really supposed to know, right? So I can start to tarnish his reputation and, and I could say, hey, look, he likes cats. <laughs> he wears socks and Birkenstocks. Or even worse, socks and Crocs, like I've seen him. I think it was on an Instagram post that he deleted immediately, right? And obviously we're having fun, but you can more subtly and manip you can manipulate someone's perception of someone else to get payback. Because at the heart of it, and this is those are the active categories, but here are some of the more passive categories. And here's how you know if you have something unresolved with somebody is ultimately you don't want them to succeed. That's how you know if there's a debt, if there's payback. Now, the Bible calls it unforgiveness. That's how the Bible uh, determines that. You... You are not reconciled in the debt that you believe that they, they owe you, right? And so I can look, because I don't want Ethan to succeed, I can look to twist things. And I can look to twist your mind against Ethan by just saying some little things that get you to doubt him. That's not the way that Jesus wants us to live. And so there are subtle things that we can do. The other thing that we can do, uh, again, is you can, more passive, you can play the long game and you can freeze somebody out, right? You can withdraw relationship from them. You can withdraw affection from them. You can withdraw um, you know, physical affection or encouragement and you can just like freeze them out in the long term. 
And these are the things that we do. Now, as I said, the way to assess whether you have unforgiveness or whether you have a debt that is not resolved with someone is your response to whether they succeed and fail in life. Like if someone has like stolen from you or maybe had dishonest dealings with you and you hear that their house has burnt down, no one was injured, and you kind of like, oh, couldn't have happened to a better guy, you know, that kind of stuff. That's how you know. Or when they like break their leg and you're like, sucks to be you, you know what I mean? Like that's this inward response to their successes or failures and that's a way that you can navigate whether or not you are reconciled with that person, whether or not that debt, that unforgiveness has been resolved. Now, I don't know if you realise this, but there are two things that unforgiveness leaves you, the two impacts. And the first is that unforgiveness will leave you bitter and the second is unforgiveness will leave you bound. All right, here's how I've heard it described is that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to suffer. And so here I've got a, I've got a prop here, uh, carpet detergent, okay? Tasty, all right? What do we got in the back? Poisonous, sodium, tripolyphosphate, ni- non-nionic surfacants, and lemon f- fragrance. <laughs> it's very cleansing, right? And so just say that I have got an unresolved issue with somebody and I want to poison them, but if I have unforgiveness, I actually start chugging this thing, expecting them to suffer, but really I end up poisoning myself over time. Now, there's a different effect to my body if I drink this once. I'm not going to, all right? You say, Andrew, you're not committed to this message. you got to commit, bro. Okay, but if I, if I have this as my daily little wake-up routine, what's it going to do to my body over time? It's going to poison me. But I'm going to be convinced that it's actually going to hurt the person That has offended me. So unforgiveness makes us bitter. Have you ever recognized that in yourself or seen that in someone else? Even decades later, they're still holding on to something. The second thing that unforgiveness does is it binds us to the person. It changes us to the person. I don't know if you realize this, but when you have unforgiveness towards somebody, you actually you actually decide to tether yourself to that person. And you actually give that person control over your future, over how far you can go. Thank you. I should have got a more compliant volunteer thank you you can stop now thank you 
Thank you. We'll talk about this in the car on the way home. That's my dad, for those listening on podcast. So what happens is that you feel bound, but your unforgiveness is a choice for you to bind yourself to that person. And you feel like because of what happened, you can't go forward and you think that it's their fault and in some ways it probably is their fault, but your deliberate choice not to forgive them is actually continuing to bind yourself to them. You are in bondage to that situation, that person, that event, and it's your choice. Now, again, it's not going to feel like your choice. It's, it's your response to their action and their activity, but it is your choice. And this is the power of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness leaves you bitter and bound. Bitter and bound. And I think it's time for us to get a bit of health and to get a bit of freedom and to actually break the bondage and the bitterness of the past. So what does Jesus have to say about forgiveness? Here is from Matthew uh, chapter 6. I'm in the NLT. It's at the end of the Lord's Prayer. right? And he says this, forgive those who sin against you. That's pretty clear, right? And Jesus has used the word sin as a word that we we would have used negatively impacts. Forgive those who have grieved, hurt, negatively impact you, right? That's that's what he wants to do. But let's expand this passage and these verses and have a look at these here. Now, this is challenging. This next one here. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, I know that some of you are responding to this and saying, that sounds conditional. And I thought that the forgiveness of Jesus was unconditional. Right? So, let me talk about it is clear. I think it's very clear, but it feels a bit unkind. Right? Would you agree? This is clear. So in this he says, forgive those. Who? Everyone. There are no exceptions. There are no extenuating circumstances. There is no body, no thing that you should not forgive. Now we'll talk about a little bit towards the end because I know some of you think about like what's next, right? After I forgive them. But right now I just want you to focus on the clarity of what Jesus is saying in one of the most significant passages of Scripture, the Lord's Prayer, he's saying this, no matter who, no matter how many times, no matter what, you need to forgive that person. Now that is not unclear, but I would say that's difficult and it might feel unkind Because, as I said, we thought that forgiveness was unconditional. And we thought that grace was unconditional and we're going to take some time to unpack this. Thomas Watson, uh, English Puritan and preacher of the 1600s, 
says this, a man can as well go, for, go to hell for not forgiving as for not believing. Now, that is a challenging statement. And again, let's go on a journey to unpack this and suspend our judgment, suspend the impact that it's going to have on us, and let's explore why Jesus would say this. Here's what I'd also say. There is no such thing as a Christian who refuses to forgive. I'm going to tell you why in a minute, but it's a practical impossibility to be a Christian who, for, who refuses to forgive. So how could Jesus say that? How could he? Why would he? Does he know what that's, what's involved? Does he know what's happened to us? How, how is that possible? And I want to give you three reasons why Jesus said we must forgive to be forgiven. And the first is this. The first is this, is that Jesus embodied forgiveness. So this is not theory for Jesus. This is not something, who knows, has ever been a situation where people ask you to do things more, more like people ask you to pay a price that they don't pay themselves, right? You've been in a situation like, not necessarily do something that you can't do, because not everyone can do things the same way, but you've been in a situation where people want you to pay a price, want you to have a commitment level that they are not themselves willing to take. This is not Jesus. Personally, any time I talk about the crucifixion, I don't feel qualified to talk about the crucifixion. I can't study enough. I can't pray enough. It is beyond my imagination in terms of the torture that is not just physical, that was emotional, that was spiritual, there's spiritual separation with God, right? So there's all kinds of things. But this is Jesus embodying forgiveness. This is Jesus saying, I am not going to ask you to do something that I haven't done myself. And so the foundational work, what is the foundational work on the cross? I think we would agree that the foundational work of the cross, why Jesus came, what happened when Jesus, he took the weight of sin. Jesus took the weight of sin. He took all the negative impacts that were done or done to people. And that is, if you want to understand like foundationally, the foundational work of the cross. That's what Jesus did. It's it's forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus embodies forgiveness. That's the first thing, the first reason that Jesus said we must forgive to be forgiven. And the second is this, is that Jesus understood grace. Now, I would 100% say that grace is unconditional. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. Forgiveness is unconditional. But here's what I would also say is that true grace and true forgiveness, when it touches me, when it touches somebody's heart, it's going to instantly produce a change. And this is what Jesus is getting at. And here's what I would say. It's impossible to receive grace without giving grace. It's impossible to do that. Grace must be received to be given and given to be received. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that the nature of grace will produce something. We don't take the first step. Jesus takes the first step, but it will produce a response 
within us. Now, the foundational sign of the cross of Jesus' work is the forgiveness of sins. And the foundational sign that we have received that, the proof, the evidence that we have received that, is that we're willing to extend it to someone else. Does that make sense? So it's actually part of the same motion. When I receive forgiveness for my sin, everything that I've done, who who am I to withhold that from someone else? Because I've made a lot of mistakes if you calculate all of them in their entirety. And so have you. That's good news. The good news is that Jesus came, died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, and is allowing grace, you to receive grace, and to flow, and that to flow out. So here's what I'm saying. That forgiveness is a sign that God's love is alive in us. We've been brought into this new life. Forgiveness is a a sign that God's grace is alive within us. And forgiveness is a sign that God's spirit is alive within us. It's in our DNA. And there's no such thing as a Christian who refuses to forgive because now that we have been forgiven, now that we receive grace, we have entered into new life and that resurrection life is welling up within us. Unforgiveness produces death. It produces bondage. We're bitter and bound. Grace produces life. So a sign that I have new life is that I'm a giver of grace, that I'm a giver of forgiveness, that it's now in my DNA. I have substantially changed in a way which I'm different. There's a passage of of Scripture that says, Then Peter came to uh, Jesus and he asked, it's in the book of Matthew, he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And he throws out a number and he's like seven times. And Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times, or another way to translate as seven times 70, he's actually saying a big number. And then he goes on to tell a story, and I'll paraphrase it. And the story is this, that a guy, pretend that that this is a a current story, a guy has owes a million dollars. He owes a million dollars, and the person that he owes a million dollars to forgives him of that million dollar debt. But then this guy who has been forgiven a million dollars Someone else owes him $1,000. And in the story, Jesus said he yells at him, he chokes him, and he puts him in prison. And in the story, the master, representing God, says, I'm so unhappy with that because this person did not, from the overflow that he had received, extend that to someone else. And this is what it means for us to not withhold forgiveness. That the reason that we can, the reason that we must, we should be compelled is because we realize what God has done within us. We're the person who's been forgiven a million dollars 
And sometimes we can be holding this thing and it's maybe like $1. No, you owe me. Remember that time 15 years ago. Or maybe it's $10,000. Whatever it is, it pales into insignificance compared to the grace of Jesus Christ, which reconciles us with God and says that every Christian, in Corinthians it says, every Christian now has a ministry of reconciliation. Well, that means is my job, once I've been reconciled, is to help reconcile with others and help others reconcile with God. Do you see how this is so significant? Now, here is what is really important. This passage is saying God, God's only gonna, uh, this is only a barrier if we refuse to forgive, not if we find it difficult to forgive and try. I don't know about you, but with some things that have happened, forgiveness for me is many times a daily decision or I'll be going through my week and something will pop up and I'll need to give that back to God. Or I'll be thinking about a person and hoping that they fail in life and God says, that's not cool. You need to change the way that you're thinking about that person no matter what they did to you. So not is it difficult, not is it incomplete, not if you don't feel like you've crushed it, but if you make that stern-faced, hard-hearted decision, I will never forgive that person. They, they will, they will, I want them to pay for what they've done, then that's different. If you refuse, if you reject, if you take it off the table. So the first one was that Jesus embodied forgiveness. The second one was Jesus understood grace. And the third is that Jesus promised freedom. Now, the, the whole the significance of this and why Jesus would be so clear and so unconditional about our responsibility is he knows what it'll produce if we don't. And we've talked about it. If we don't forgive, we will be bitter and bound. Our life will be twisted. Our heart will be twisted. Our emotions will be twisted. We'll live with fear. We'll live unhealthy. Our souls will be toxic. But if we do, the change will start to loosen. The bonds will start to break and we'll be able to move forward. I was reading this story this week about uh, Mother Teresa, the great uh, Catholic nun who her work was in India, in Calcutta, with and impacted millions and millions of uh, lives and orphans. And someone asked her this question, do only the wealthy give? And she replied, no, even the poorest of the poor give. The other day a very poor beggar came up to me and said, everyone gives to you and I also want to give you 20 pesa, which is about two cents. And I thought to myself, what, I, what do I do? If I take it, he won't have anything to eat. But if I don't take it, I would hurt him so much. So I took it and he was so happy that he had given to Mother Teresa of Calcutta to help the poor. And here's what she said. I want you to take note of this because this is true. This is what it means, the type of freedom, what forgiveness will do for you. She says this, giving cleans the heart and helps you get closer to God. 
And I would say that our unforgiveness is toxic and it's soiled and dirty and it's a barrier that stops us from connecting with God. And when we step into that grace, which generosity, that giving, that cleansing is allowed to flow, that grace of God can flow completely in our life. So I did say, after we forgive someone, what's next? So does that mean we forget or we seek justice? Does that mean that we accept a person back or exclude influence in our life? Does that mean we just keep going or create a boundary? And here's what I want to say, that all of those responses are valid. But my point is that when you forgive you will have the power and the health to choose a healthy response. You can do any of those things. It's not just forgetting, pretending, putting yourself back into a place. It's not saying you give up your right to justice through the legal system. It's anything, but when you are bitter and bound, you don't make good decisions. When you are fearful, you don't make good decisions. And so Jesus is saying, yeah, like, I'm actually going to help you in the next step, but you'll be ready for it. You'll make a great decision based on the work of forgiveness in your life. In, on February the 1st, 2020, in uh, suburbs of Sydney, there were four siblings, the Abdallah family, Sienna, Angelina, Anthony, and their cousin Veronique. And they were on their way to get ice cream during a family barbecue. And as they were walking down the footpath of a western Sydney suburb, an out-of-control ute mounted the curb and ploughed into them. And their parents, with a strong faith, they shocked Australia And they said, I forgive that person, that drunk and drugged. Early on, they they shocked. It It made headlines that they were choosing to forgive. And they launched an initiative called I Forgive Day. We're going to take two minutes just to watch a little video about their story and their journey. So why don't you have a look at the screen? Their souls set free by a choice to forgive. And we'll never be alone. Four doves representing four lost angels. I will see you again. Anthony, Angelina, Sienna and Veronique. A new National Day of Reflection launched. Their siblings now asking for mercy from us. Could you forgive people if they do something bad? I know that many will be blessed by giving. Let's forgive. A senseless tragedy. Anthony, Angelina, Sienna and Veronique killed by a drunk, drugged driver while on a walk to get ice cream. Our whole country was shocked. We were devastated. 
The family's faith-filled response last year stunned us all. I don't hate him. I think in my heart I forgive him. I had many friends and strangers say to me, I just don't know how they can do that. They are amazing. If I didn't forgive the driver, my family wouldn't be the same. It would be dysfunctional. My family would be destroyed. What path do I take? The path of destruction or the path of construction? But to forgive doesn't mean forsaking their fight for consequences. Justice is about accountability and because you forgive, that doesn't mean there's no justice. I forgive day, the legacy of four innocent kids for everyone. For all of us, at least once a year, to appreciate and reflect on our own lives. For the families, from forgiveness, peace has blossomed. The ability to live on for their other children. The peace is from above that it brings to you. It's, I can't even explain it. It's amazing. The most amazing grace. Serena Andaloro, 7 News. What a, a moving, I don't know, as a, as a dad, I don't know how I would feel. I've got a simple question. And the question is this, who do you need to forgive? Let's take a moment in your own way. You may want to bow your heads, you don't have to. Who do you need to forgive? Holy Spirit, you're in this room. You want us to know that it's the grace that we have received that gives us the grace to forgive, not our own strength. We're not saying this is okay, what was done to us, or maybe what we've done to others. But right now you want to, you want to bring healing. You want to release people of bitterness. You want to release people of bondage. Who do you need to forgive? The Holy Spirit is speaking directly to you. In your, He's speaking spirit to spirit. And here's my encouragement. Today is the only day to forgive people. There is no tomorrow. There is no other moment. Who do you need to forgive? And why don't you do that? I'm going to ask Naomi just to sing from this song, just to provide you a bit of cover, right? And what I want you to do in a verbal way, not in a loud way, but in a verbal way, I want you to speak that person's name or those people's name. 
as a confession. And I'll bet right now that this is, this will be hard for some of you. But can I encourage you? We're doing this for the freedom that it brings. We're doing this, as Mother Teresa said, to cleanse our hearts. To bring us into God's presence. Who do you need to forgive? Naomi's going to begin to sing. As she does, speak out that person's name and say, Jesus, with your power, I forgive. Insert the name or the names. There's incredible freedom. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, just speak that name out. This is a moment for you to receive the grace of God, to receive the forgiveness of God, and to be a generous person that extends forgiveness. So come on, just speak that out. Be bold. This is the moment. This is the time. This is the time. There's weights that are lifting off. There's bondages that are breaking it. That is health and wholeness in hearts right now in the name of Jesus. Even things that may have happened 20 years, 30 years, 40 years ago. God's breaking off in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is breaking off. The Holy Spirit is bringing health and healing and life and freedom. He's bringing hope for the future. Your past is not defining you. Your past is not defining you. The rejection that you experience from that person is not defining your future. You are free to be everything. You are free to have every kind of health in life, in relationships, in the name of Jesus. All across this room, all across this room. Come on, take a bold step. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this time. Don't miss this opportunity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we're so grateful for what you did on the cross. And Lord, we choose as a church, as individuals, we choose to live in that lifestyle of forgiveness and grace. We choose. We're making a bold stand. We're putting a stake in the ground saying, Jesus, this is how we're going to live. This is who we are. We are the forgiven who are living as forgivers. We are the graced who are living with an extension of grace, an overflow, an abundance, a rhythm of grace, a lifestyle of grace, grace upon grace, in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for that. Amen. 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 Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Let's take... 
Uh, we're, we're almost done. We'll be done in about two minutes. Let's take a moment just to thank God for his grace. Where would you be without the forgiveness of God? What kind of bondage would you be in? What kind of relationship would you be stuck in without the power of God? God has rescued you. God has saved you. God has delivered you. God has brought you into wide and open space. And he's done it through the person of Jesus, the narrow door of Jesus, the cross of Jesus into the wide open spaces of peace and love. Jesus, we're so grateful. Come on, just join with me just for 20 seconds. Just lift up your thanksgiving. Jesus, we're so grateful to what you've done, for what you've done in our hearts, for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, we honour you and we thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, Naomi's going to pray for a couple of uh, minutes. If you want prayer, if you uh, want somebody to join their faith with yours, to see a breakthrough or for healing or for anything else, uh, you can come over this side and there'll be some people that are are available to pray. Also, if you want to know more about making a decision to follow Jesus, we have a Why Jesus book, a resource that will answer some of your questions. That's available for free up the back. A couple of other things. If you're not in a connect group, we encourage you to join a group. These are environments that are designed specifically to help you grow spiritually and develop meaningful relationships. Who knows that not every group that you go to, not every environment that you go to is designed to help you grow spiritually. Connect groups are. The other thing that I want to let you know, two things. Next week, we've got a new series starting called The Upside Down Kingdom. We're looking at the kingdom of God, Jesus's main message. And also, we want to let you know that uh, for our Easter service on Good Friday, we'll be uh, having an online communion service that you can dial into, uh, you can connect with online, and then we will be here on Easter Sunday. So that's coming up soon and want to let you know about that. Awesome. Why don't you take uh, some time and uh, either come up for prayer or head up the back and have something to eat. God bless. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.